0: Welcome to All Things IDD hosted by the ARC of Wichita County. This podcast is a place where we will be sharing resources for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities and their families, raise awareness, as well as create a space for stories by and about those with disabilities. On today's episode, we welcome Haley Greer from the ARC of Texas to speak with us about the Master Pool Trust. Hey, Haley, thank you so much for joining in on all things IDD today. Thank you for having me. If you don't mind just introducing yourself and uh, letting everybody know what your role is.
1: Yeah, so I am uh, Haley Greer. I am the director of the Master Pool Trust at the Arc of Texas. And the Master Pool Trust is a pooled special needs trust uh, for people with disabilities that allows them to protect their benefits, and still have access to uh, additional funds to improve their quality of life.
0: Awesome. So, when you say protect their benefits, like what? Why did the master pooled trust? Why was it created? Why? Why do they have to protect their benefits?
1: In the early nineties, um, the federal government decided that uh, pooled special needs trust and other special needs trust would exist. Uh, in order for an individual to still receive Medicaid or Social Security benefits uh, while still having access to these additional funds. So if an individual has uh, a SSI specifically or most Medicaid programs, um, they are not allowed to have more than $2,000 in uh uh, assets available to them any, um, at the end of any given month. And if they do have more than $2,000 in assets available, that means money in your checking account, money in your savings account, cash that you have on hand, um, uh, and even uh, assets such as uh, really expensive jewelry or, or artwork or things like that, um, then you might not be el- uh, eligible for benefits. From Social Security or Medicaid, Um, they have this income or sorry asset limit that um, uh, that that um, uh, determines whether or not somebody would be eligible for these particular benefits. And so, special needs trusts were established to let an individual continue to have um, uh, have those assets set aside um, in a trust where they don't have control over it. Um, but it could still be used for their benefit. And um, uh, so individuals who were receiving Medicaid services, such as Medicaid waivers, or who re- were receiving SSI, would be able to set aside any sort of large amounts of money that, that might come into their possession. So you would have individuals who might have an inheritance that um, a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle might have passed away um, and wanted to make sure that their loved one had um, uh, was able to inherit just like the rest of their um, children, grandchildren, nieces, and nephews. And so they're able to leave those funds to a special needs trust in order for that individual to continue to receive those much-needed Medicaid benefits.
0: So on the website, I noticed that there is four different types. Is that right, of different trusts?
1: There are. So the Master Pool Trust is... Um, It's a a, um, unique special needs trust. And the special needs trust exists um, both in uh, the pooled trust form, which is what we do, and also in the individual form. Um, And so there are two types of of trusts that uh, exist for individuals with disabilities. So you have what's called a third-party trust. So that's going to be someone else's money that they set aside for an individual with a disability. Um, And then you have first-party trusts, which is uh, an individual with a disability setting aside money for themselves. So think of it in terms of a third party is when a parent uh, or a grandparent or a loved one um, wants to leave money to uh, a special needs trust for their loved one with a disability. And then a self-settled trust is my money that I'm setting aside for myself. So I came, had a lawsuit settlement, and I got $50,000. Well, if I have that $50,000, I need to be able to put it into a special needs trust myself. And so um, uh, there that would be a first-party special needs trust. So there's those two types, um, which is the big difference. Between, um, uh, uh, between special needs trusts. And I'll get into exactly what those differences are here in a second. But the other piece is, is that we have um, what are considered um, uh, supplemental only trusts and discretionary trusts. So a supplemental only trust means that I can never pay, that the trustee would never be able to pay for food or shelter for an individual or anything that might impact their benefits. So the language in these trusts is very strict and allows you to only supplement things um, and not uh, ever impact someone's benefits. And then there are what are called discretionary trusts, which are ones that are allowed to pay for certain things even if they are going to impact an individual's benefits. And so the ARC of Texas has four trusts, two of which are the third-party trusts, that I talked about. That's so. That's mom and dad's money set aside for their child, um, or their uh, the. And the other two are our self-settled trust, which is my money that I'm setting aside for myself. Um, our first two trusts, trust one and two, wh- those are those um, supplemental only trusts. So we can't ever pay for food or shelter or anything that might impact somebody's benefits. Um, those were our original trusts that were drafted in 1997, Um, and this was very early in the special needs trust, pooled trust um, timeline, and so there was still a lot of questions about exactly what could be included in the special needs trust and what language was appropriate. Um, A few years later, in 2000, we drafted our second two trusts, um, and those two trusts are our discretionary trusts. So those are the ones that allow me um, uh, or allow the Ark of Texas or the trustee to actually pay for things that might impact somebody's benefit um, as long as it's positive for them. Um, and all four of our trusts um, protect those benefits, um, but trusts uh, one and two are never going to allow us to pay for food or shelter. Um, so because if I pay for food or shelter, it impacts an individual's benefit, whereas trust Three and four, which are our second two trusts, they do allow me to pay for it if it's appropriate for that person in their situation.
0: For, I guess, what what is the minimum or is there a minimum that can be used to start a fund? Um, like if somebody got a job or, you know, is wanting to set their own money aside, for example, um, and they don't have $100,000 to put in, what does that process look like in getting started?
1: Yeah, so in order to set up a trust with us, it does cost $600. So you want to make sure that you're going to have enough money um, that you want to set aside in order to um, uh, have that $600 paid as well as um, a, a fee. So we actually have a fee every month that's a minimum of $25. Um, so if you're talking about somebody who has some extra money from working, I actually don't recommend a special needs trust. I recommend an ABLE account. Um, uh, and we can talk about ABLE accounts more. Um, but with a trust, I do recommend that you have several thousand dollars to put in simply because there are fees, um, that are associated with it. And we don't want to take anybody's money just to take their money. So we want to make sure that, um, uh, that those fees are taken into, uh, into account as well as, um, the funds in the trust are actually invested. And because those funds are invested, um, they can either grow or they can shrink depending on how the market is doing. And so we want to make sure that people have enough funds in there um, uh, so that they'll see a return that could potentially help them cover some of those costs.
0: Right. Yeah. And so I'm glad you uh, brought up Able Accounts because, yes, I did want to touch on that, which isn't a part of the Master Pulled Trust. But if you, if you don't mind just kind of breaking that down for everybody, what an ABLE account is and when it's better to use an ABLE account.
1: Yeah, so an ABLE account is a uh, special savings account for individuals with disabilities. Um, and they are set up, each state has their own ABLE program. And in that, you set up a savings account. These savings accounts have a very, very um, uh, low minimum. So most States, you start out your account with about $50. And then they have very, very low fees on a a regular basis as well. So talking $4 a month. Um, And what we see with ABLE accounts is they are used slightly differently than a special needs trust. So really what ABLE accounts are are true savings accounts. So they're there in order for you to set some money aside to be able to have um, quick access to them um, and be able to use it for what are called qualified disability expenses. And so a qualified disability expense is going to be a um, any expense that is specifically for the individual with a disability that contributes in some way to supporting or improving their quality of life um, through through that purchase. So things like um, uh, transportation, transportation. Housing, um, uh, any sort of recreational type of things. Um, you see that people get different types of supports through it as well, and so able accounts are meant to um, to set aside sort of the, the smaller amounts of money. Um, in in uh, in my opinion, so if you've got a little bit of extra money from working and you want to save up because you've got a a big trip to disney that you want to pay for or maybe you want to buy a car um or or maybe you want to save up to buy a house um able accounts are actually a really good way to do that there are a couple of things that happen are that are different with able accounts than they are with with trust so able accounts actually have a um a specific amount of money that you can put in every year. So they have, uh, it's currently it's $16,000 a year that you can put into an ABLE account. Um, and, uh, it's equal to the gift tax exemption or exclusion amount every year, which is a, which is a mouthful to say right now it's $16,000, um, for 2022. So each year you can put up to $16,000 in that ABLE account um and it's going to be the place that you really want to put that those extra funds that you get on a regular basis or maybe that you want to um that you want to set aside for your savings. A trust is going to be something that you use for the the bigger um uh longer term um uh places to put your money. So I encourage folks to figure out which one is the best for you in your situation and depending on how much money you have Um, really looking at which option is the right one for you.
0: For um, getting this started, um, I know you mentioned like um, with larger sums of money, so like money left in a will, but if parents uh, of say teenagers learn about the Master pool Trust and they want to get a fund started, would you advise them getting started early in life or is it? you know, to build upon it over the years? Or is it typical for people to kind of just leave them in their will and um, leave a large sum of money at once?
1: So generally, I recommend larger sums of money um, uh, at a particular time. So it may be where families say, you know, we've got $10,000 a year that we want to put in here and we want to watch it grow and we want to um, uh, set this aside for long term. You can absolutely do that. Um, other families say, I want to keep this money somewhere else. Maybe it's in an investment account or maybe it's um uh going to be after the home you know the family home is sold or maybe it's from an uh, a retirement account um where they say that's where they want the money to come from i do encourage families to think about trusts as early as possible regardless of whether or not you're actually going to fund one i do recommend that you get one set up and the reason that i say that is um that if families plan appropriately, it's going to help the individual with a disability process something that's already very difficult in a slightly easier way, simply because things are set up. Um, I also encourage families to do it because you just never know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to get in a car accident. You don't know if something um, uh, is going to impact you and your life in a way that you might want to have a trust. And the funds set up to go directly to it. Um, one of the reasons that I encourage that is because there is actually a difference between the third party trust, the ones that you have set up in your will to be left to um, a, a trust for the individual, and my money that I'm setting aside for myself. And the difference there is that there's actually what is called, what people call a Medicaid payback provision. And what that says is that. If I, as a person with a disability, come into money, I can set up a trust for myself. I can set this aside. um, I can use every single dollar of it if I want um, while I'm alive. But anything that is left after I have passed away has to go back to pay the state back for any Medicaid dollars that they've spent on my behalf over my lifetime. So that means if If your loved one has been getting Medicaid waiver services um, and there's money left in that trust, we're going to have to pay back the state. The individual trust is going to have to pay back the state. If you plan right, though, if you plan correctly, then there is not that payback provision. So that third-party money, the money that parents are setting aside, grandparents are setting aside, and directly into a special needs trust do not have that provision. But if you don't plan appropriately, so if you don't have a will set up, if you don't have a trust set up um, uh, and you were to pass away, your funds transfer to your children uh, automatically. They transfer your to, spout, to your spouse and then they transfer your, to your children. And so that means that it would be the individual's money. And then at that point, they have to set up that first party trust. And so um, that means that if something were to happen to them, if there were any funds left, It wouldn't be able to be left to, say, their siblings or their children or whoever else they might want it to. It's going to have to go pay pay back the
0: state. They lose control of it. Correct.
1: They they lose control as to where is it going to go after they've passed away.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful to know. I think, um, yeah. People will love to hear about all of these details. Um, Well, and
1: ABLE accounts, I will will add this. ABLE accounts actually have a very similar Medicaid payback provision, um, but they are from the time that the ABLE account starts moving forward. So um, if you don't start an ABLE account until later in your life, um, the Medicaid sort of clock starts a little bit later. Um, However, those that is actually a a provision in the ABLE account as well. And so when families are thinking about do I set up an ABLE account, do I set up a special needs trust, you want to take that into consideration as well. So you're not going to use an ABLE account with your long-term planning, A, because you can't put more than $16,000 right now in an account, and B, it's got that Medicaid payback provision, so you want to have that protected in, in a trust versus in an ABLE account.
0: And, um, I did have a question too about, um, you said this money is invested. And so what does that investment look like? If there is, um, a family that, um, has a larger amount of money and they might have their money invested, um, I guess like what's the rate of return or I don't know the proper financial language, but what does that investment on y'all's end look like? And typically how does it follow the stock market and all of that?
1: Yeah. So we um, have a, um, a a conservative investment policy in that we are both uh, we have both um, stocks and we've got bonds or other fixed income and cash. And so we've got a good combination of those two Um, since the inception of the account that we currently have um, uh, which has been since uh, about 2000 we have an annualized rate of return so that means taking them all and average them out we have an annualized rate of return around five percent so this includes um, you know years where we had big jumps and also years where we had big lows you know think about 2007 2008 where there was a you know, big drop in the stock market, we saw some significant, um, you know, losses then, but then they were made up in the next year or two. So one of the things to think about with a pool trust specifically is that our pool is invested the same for every single person that's in our pool. So, um, if you want to be in, if the parents want to be in control of how the funds are invested, then the master pool trust is probably not the right place for you. Um, however, if you know that you're okay with a conservative investment policy and a um, uh, and a, a, a rate of return of around five percent annually, um, then then the masterful trust would be a good a good option for you.
0: And how does it um, work? I guess as far as like tax benefits go or taxes go with people that are putting money in um, to their child's trust. do they have a limit on how much they're able to give or how does that work? I know nothing about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, taxes are always interesting and I tell everyone I am not a tax professional so I cannot give you tax advice. (laughs) However, I can say a few things. Um, Putting money into a special needs trust, whether it be a pooled trust, whether it be an individual special needs trust, um, uh, is not Tax deductible. It is not seen as a donation of any sort. It is going to be any sort of traditional transfer that you would that you would make. Um, when it comes to inheritances, so if it's it's with your um, uh, uh, with your will and that sort of thing, it all depends on where the money comes from as to how the taxes are going to be impacted. Um, I encourage um, families to talk to a certified financial planner. Uh, or a cpa when they're looking at what is the best way to fund a special needs trust because depending on where your money is I, i joke and say a lot of us are worth more dead than we are alive because we've got life insurance policies we've got um uh, other things that would kick in if we were to pass away, whereas um, while we're alive, a lot of it's just sort of sitting in an account somewhere or sitting there waiting for that. And so you want to make sure that you know exactly what's going to happen to all of those things when you pass away and how it's going to impact tax-wise on the individual with a disability, um, uh, the estate, as well as the other um, uh People who might be receiving money in in that inheritance. So there's a lot of tax implications for um, uh, retirement accounts, whether it be a 401k or a different type of IRA. There's going to be certain tax implications for that, and different ones for things like a Roth IRA or um, a life insurance policy. Um, And so depending on what it is really um, determines how the taxes are impacted um, uh, to the individual with a disability and to the estate.
0: So in talking about once this person has access to these funds, what's the process of them spending money out of the funds? Um, I saw maybe there's fees or limits of how many withdrawals you can make. Yeah,
1: so in the master pooled trust, and this is an example of how ours works, every pooled trust works differently and every trust, uh, special needs trust is going to work differently. But our pooled trust, the way that ours works is um, we have a form that individuals would fill out they would um, provide information to us about what it is that they want to spend the money on, whether it be um, that, they, that someone needs to be reimbursed for money that's already been spent or money needs to be provided or paid directly for an um, experience, a, a, a product, or um, other things that might be for that individual. And so they request to us at the Ark of Texas, We then review that request to make sure that it meets Social Security and Medicaid's rules, um, which there are a lot of. Um, We have to make sure that it meets those rules. And then from there, we're able to make distributions. We don't make distributions directly to the individual with a disability 99% of the time um, because if we were to give an individual money directly, it would impact their benefits. So we pay for items directly directly. Um, And we also have something called a TrueLink card. Um, This is a prepaid debit card that we're able to provide funds on for the individual to be able to use to purchase items um, that are in line with Social Security and Medicaid's rules.
0: Oh, that's awesome. When did the cards start? We have been using the cards for about six years, I believe. Um the cards have
1: been around for a little while. Um they were approved officially approved by Social Security about three years ago. Um and they're actually able to be um anyone can set up a true link card. We work with them to be able to use them with the trust. Because we found that it really allows individuals to have some self determination that they're allowed to be able to have um, have access to those funds to be able to pay for things that are appropriate um, under Social Security's rules. So we don't pay. We generally don't pay for things like food, um, whether it be going out to eat, whether it be um, at the grocery store, whether it be a snack or shelter, which includes things like rent, utilities, um, water, wastewater, gas. Um, so those are the things that are not allowed to be purchased with a TrueLink card, but pretty much everything else can be purchased so long as it's for the individual with a disability. Um, one of the challenges that is very important for everybody to know whether or not you use us as a special needs trust or if you have your own is that you need to keep receipts because social security and medicaid want to know how that money is spent and so if they come and they audit and they they ask you well where was this money spent we have to be able to tell them and so it's important that our beneficiaries hang on to their receipts and provide those to us so that we can keep a record of them uh, with their account here at the ark of texas
0: yeah, I remember at our local chapter here in Wichita Falls, we had a member that would use our fax machine and would come in and scan uh-huh. a stack of receipts. Um, so, yeah, for anybody listening throughout Texas, I know ARC chapters are great resources to assist in getting receipts or any other information they need. Um, um Another question I had was what – um. I saw that on, on y'all's website, y'all mention there's training opportunities and special education consultation. Is that more the Ark of Texas that y'all are talking about? Or is that with the Master Pool Trust? Or who who would that be um, if a parent was reaching out to y'all?
1: Yeah, so that would be through the Ark of Texas. We do have um, some training opportunities. We um, work with our local chapters to provide um, uh, information in the local areas. Um, And we also can provide um, some limited individual advocacy or information. So we've got a lot of information that's available on our website. One of the number one things that's available on our website is the idea manual, um, which is super super important um, for families who have loved ones still in school, um, uh, and that is going to provide information about special education. Um, we also do other trainings and uh, provide other information uh, across the state, both about the masterful trust. Um, I talk, I do a lot of presentations around the masterful trust and able accounts as well as um, uh, information about future planning and, uh, and things along those lines for families.
0: What would you say is the biggest mis- misunderstanding that y'all face with master pool trust accounts?
1: Um, I think the number one thing is, is we're not just your regular old bank accounts. Um, a lot of people just want to be able to, um, uh, use it for anything they want and to pay for other folks or to use the money in whatever way that they want. And unfortunately, um, as much as we would love for that to be the case, uh, the reality is, is that there are a lot of rules around how the money can be used. Um, and so when we are um uh saying no to something in particular or or reworking a situation, a lot of folks get really angry with us recognizing that it's not actually us that's making the rules. It's gonna be Medicaid and social security. And so um that's one of them. I would say another misconception that is had about pooled trust generally is about what happens to the funds after an individual passes away. As I mentioned, there is the Medicaid payback provision on our um, trust two and four, which those are the self-submitted ones, my money that I have set aside for myself. Um, but on our trust one and three, which are um, the third party trusts. Uh, the individual, the parent, the grandparent, whoever establishes the trust gets to determine where they want the funds to go after they've passed away. Some pooled trusts retain funds. They keep the money that's left in the trust after the individual passes away. Um, uh, but we don't require that of anyone. And so, um, uh, we don't retain any funds from our, from, from the, the third party trusts unless the family wants us to, um, uh, and, and they're allowed to leave it to us. So that's another big misconception about, um, our pooled trust specifically.
0: And I do have another question I thought yeah. Um, I always love hearing, because this is like kind of I don't know. I always like bringing a personal story into it. So is there a story over the last several years that has just like reminded you of, man, I love what I do and this is why I do what I do um, of an individual. Yeah. Whatever that story may be. Is there anything that comes to mind?
1: Yeah. You know, I actually have a lot of those stories, um, but one in particular was an individual who um, uh, came to us, they uh, their sister was their last living relative. And, um, uh, she came to us to get a trust set up for her sister who, um, uh, had had, uh, an intellectual disability as as well as mental health diagnosis. And so she required a lot of assistance. She required, um, uh, some, some additional, um, uh, services that, Um, The sister was the only one that was providing them. And the sister came to us and said, I need someone to be there when I'm not here any longer. And the sister um, has since passed away. Um, And so we were able to step in um, as the trust provider and help to get her the supports and services that she needed. So we were able to contract with someone locally to her to help her find the right living situation to make sure that she was getting the right supports and services. Um, And so her trust was actually able to pay for that um, care manager to help to organize everything as well as to help pay for some additional things that she otherwise wouldn't have been able to pay for with her SSI. Um, uh, And so we were able to use the trust in order to support her um, in uh, having a a higher quality of life than she would have if no one had been there to um, support her in her needs.
0: Yeah. And obviously I'm partial to the ARC. I work for a local ARC ARC chapter and I see, you know, what we do at a local level, but also I I think that's what's so great about this special needs trust. I'm not sure what other ones are out there in Texas, but the fact that it's through the ARC of Texas is like y'all know individuals with disabilities and you have so many connections throughout the state to support. So yeah, I really love that story. And what y'all do is so important, and I'm just grateful for the work that you do, and really appreciate you sharing everything with us today.
1: Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me. I my biggest goal in the role that I'm in is to make sure that family know, families know that special needs trusts and master pool and the master pool trust or other pool trusts exist. Um, because we want to make sure that individuals are getting the support that they need over the long term, um, and whether or not you choose our trust or if you choose another trust, making sure that you have that future plan set up is so important. So I appreciate you asking um, me to talk about the master pool trust, um, and hopefully um, our information and our expertise can help you to find um, uh, to, to find the resources and the appropriate special needs trust for you.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Haley. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today on All Things IDD. Be sure to check out the links below for more information on the Master Pool Trust, ABLE accounts, and the idea manual that Haley had mentioned. We're looking forward to releasing the upcoming episodes, so be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you can see when we release the next episodes. We would really appreciate it as well if you shared our podcast with your friends and family. As always, friends, be good to yourself.